Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders Espresso Shot. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three guys who love to drink espressos and coffee and talk about true crime. True, 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 true crime. And, and some that are maybe not as true, but we like them anyways. <laughs> well, ladies and beans, today I bring to the haunted coffee table a story of a survivor whose horrors have yet to be finished. Have you heard of Carrie Tate? I mean... <laughs> Lori Strode, I mean, Cynthia Myers. Though she prefers to go by Lori, uh, see that was the name she grew up knowing, her parents, like any parent, tried to protect her from the family's horrific past. She may have been born Cynthia Myers, but the Myers name would become a cursed word like Voldemort. I mean, sorry. <gasps> he should not be named. I'm so sorry, Amanda. I'm so sorry. Cole. Oh, God. I'm doing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, for the Myers also had a son, and his name was Michael. And he, to many residents of Haddonfield, Illinois. Did I say that right? Haddonfield? You're from Illinois. I don't know. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> It's Chicago and Southern Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, he was known as the Boogeyman. So Lori was born in 1961. When she was two years old, her then six-year-old brother Michael, dressed as a clown, walked into their sister Judith's room on Halloween night, and she, like any teenage girl who had just secretly had sex with her boyfriend and was sitting naked at her vanity brushing her hair, Michael (laughs) walked in slowly, and Judith turned to confront him. He stabbed her multiple times with a butcher knife that he grabbed from the kitchen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Their parents arrived home shortly after to find Michael covered in his older sister's blood. And after some dramatic crying from the parents, not Michael, he showed no emotion, of course, Mm. Michael was sent away for good. Or was he? Mikey! Mikey! He He likes likes it! Oh, man. I just lropped that one. I was like, <laughs> murder. Yeah, he murder. likes it. He likes it. Mikey. He what does. the fuck? What the fuck, Mikey? Mikey. So, while Lori was still very young, she was taken to visit Michael. Though her memory of it later is very hazy. Tragedy struck again on January 3rd, 1965, when Lori, still Cynthia, was four years old. Her birth parents were killed in a car accident. Lori was placed into foster care and was adopted by Morgan and Pamela Strode. They changed her name to Lori. Her records were sealed in the hopes that her tragic past would be forgotten. She was never taken to see Michael again, and as she grew up, she forgot everything about her psychotic older brother and the loss of her sister and parents. She was simply Lori, not Cynthia, for Cynthia died along with the rest of the family until 1978. Lori's world was about to flip upside down, and a ghost from her past would haunt her for the rest of her life. Take a sip of that coffee, friends, because <laughs> here comes a dramatic story. <laughs> nice. We changed it up today. Yeah. I brought, I brought my friends some uh, royal coffee roasters. Nice. I don't know if you're in the 
Las Vegas area, but you should check them out. It's so good. I really like it. Mm -hmm. It is delicious and nutritious. Give me that beautiful bean water. Bean water. Okay. Lori was like any 17-year-old girl. She attended her local high school, Haddonfield High School. She was a bit of an introvert. She loved books and studying a little bit more than socializing. But she did have her best gal pals, Annie Brackett and Linda Van Derkick. They were the opposite of Lori. Very outgoing gals who enjoyed hanging out with their boyfriends. On October 31st, Lori's father, Morgan, who was a realtor in town, asked her to drop off the keys to an old house that had been on the market for a long time. The Myers house. Everyone knew the house was haunted. And boy, did it look the part. Run down, uninhabited, dusty, the works. But it didn't scare Lori. She had no memory of ever living there, but nothing ever really scared her about the house. This day, though, continues to bring up things from her past. While she was at school that day, she glanced out the window to see a man just standing there. Was he staring at her? Was he in a jumpsuit and a mask? Is that William Shatner? (laughs) She brushes it off, and when she looks again, he's gone. She tries to tell her friends about it, and he keeps popping up, but they just brush it off. She saw him walking on her way home. He drove past her. He seemed to be everywhere, and yet nowhere. Her friends just laughed it off until Linda was freaked out by someone following her. And later, Annie and Lori ran into Annie's dad, the sheriff, and they learned that someone broke into the hardware store and stole a Halloween mask and some knives. Everyone went on with their day. Halloween plans as usual. Nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Lori was set to babysit a kid she watched many times, Tommy Doyle. They were going to watch scary movies and carve a jack-o'-lantern. Well, really, she was going to carve the jack-o'-lantern while Tommy sat there and watched TV. There is also a super brief comic book moment. I mean, Lori's a really nice babysitter. Annie was also doing some babysitting not too far away. Right across the street, actually. She was getting bothered, though. She started spilling stuff on her outfit while she was making Lindsay dinner. She was avoiding the dog that she hates, so she yells at Lindsay a bunch for help. Like, a bunch. But Lindsay like Tommy, can't be torn away from the scary movie on her family's TV. So Annie undressed in the kitchen and puts on a random white button-up shirt. I mean, who doesn't keep a white button-up shirt in the kitchen at the house that you're nannying for? So now Annie is totally rocking the risky business look and goes to wash her outfit. She's poo-bearing it? She's poo-bearing it, man. (laughs) Poo-bearing it with some socks. Her boo-thang was going to come over and she wanted to make sure she was super cute. But of course, she locks herself in the laundry room, which is its own kind of shed thing in the backyard. Or does she lock herself in? Unbeknownst to Annie, Michael was there. Mm. See, hours earlier, he escaped from the Smith's Grove Sanitarium. It was reported by his psychiatrist, Dr. Samuel Loomis. Whoa, (laughs) hold on, hold on. They didn't say Sam was a doctor. (laughs) He was a doctor, not just a doctor. Michaels. Hold on, deja vu from a week? (laughs) Wait, that was tapped a whole week ago. Tapped a whole week ago. So Marion Crane's husband (laughs) is actually Dr. Samuel Samuel Lewis. Loomis. Loomis, sorry. (laughs) Yes, correct. <laughs> wow. Great. It's all connected. Obviously guys. connected. Obviously the same person. Obvious. And if Obviously. you rearrange the letters in Loomis, you can spell Sumo. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. Great. Thank you. So, great. 
So Zodiac. Zodiac killer. <laughs> That's why I'm so good at codes, guys. Oh my god. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Okay, so Dr. Samuel Lewis uh, had gone to the sanitarium. Wait, Lewis or Loomis? Loomis, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Loomis, Loomis. Loomis strikes again. Damn it. Damn it, Loomis. Loomis. Uh, so he had gone to the sanitarium to escort the now 21-year-old Michael Myers to court for a hearing. The hope was to keep Michael from ever being released from Smith's Grove. But when he and his colleague arrived, they were met with rogue patients wandering around. They parked the car and got out wondering what the heck was going on. They went inside to get answers. And while they did, Michael stole their car and made his way to seek out his baby sister. How did he learn to drive that if was he's my been there question. since he was six? Who knows? That was literally my next question was like, I thought he got taken away when he was like a kid. Do they yep. just like do driving school at the sanitarium? Just television, someone, baby. Television taught hey. him. Someone taught him how to drive. Who knows? It's not, there's no record of it. <laughs> On the way back to town, Michael murdered a man for his clothes. Dr. Loomis found the abandoned truck and Michael's patient clothing. The dead and naked man was only feet away from his truck. Michael was loose and now in a jumpsuit. He makes it to town and he is the one who broke in and stole the mask and knives. How did Smith's Grove act so foolishly with such a dangerous patient? Dr. Loomis warned them over and over and over again and now he was determined to find him. And he followed the trail of bodies like breadcrumbs. Annie would unfortunately be one of those breadcrumbs. But first, Lindsay does come out and help her in the laundry room. Then Annie takes her across the street and dumps her with Lori. What's one more kid? Besides, her boothing was coming over. So now Lori was watching Tommy and Lindsay. Well, they were watching a movie and talking while Lori was finishing the pumpkin. Annie and Paul were now free to fool around. But Paul would not get the chance, for before anyone knew it, Michael began to strike. He brutally murdered Annie and hid the body. Then Linda and her boothing, Bob, showed up. Thinking that Annie had, well, maybe left to go get Paul, they fooled around and played house for a moment until Bob went downstairs to get a beer and Michael came out of the shadows and stabbed him to death. Then he went after Linda. Tommy did catch him walking outside the Wallace's house. He screamed, it was the boogeyman. But by the time Lori made it to the window, he was gone. She brushed it off. It's only Tommy's imagination. Lori did get worried after a while, though. It was past Lindsay's bedtime, and Annie had not come back. So Lori went to check on her friends. So when she arrived, she met a bloodbath. She discovered bodies of her friends upstairs, brutally slain. As she began to panic, Michael came out of the shadows and attacked her. He was at last back with his baby sister, and he needed to kill her. He slashed her arm with a knife. She fell down the stairs and cracked her ankle, but her adrenaline kept her going. She got up and rushed as fast as she could back to the kids, because she left them safely at Tommy's house, of course. She got inside and locked the door, thinking she was safe now. But then Michael broke the window and attacked. She now had knitting needles in her hands and she stabbed him in the neck. She ran up the stairs, but he got up and followed her. He got up the stairs and cornered her. He began to stab her even more. She was able to avoid the strikes, getting a clothing hanger and straightening it out to make it a weapon. And she got him right in the eye. He stumbled back, dropped his knife. She picked it up and stabbed him in the stomach. He fell onto the floor. She'd done it. He was dead. She got out of the closet and went back to the kids and found where they were hiding. She told them to run and go get the neighbors and call the police. 
Just as she was about to relax, Michael attacked her. He started to choke her, and as he did, Lori tried to fight. She even managed to almost get his mask off. And for a moment, she saw his true face. And as this was all happening, Dr. Loomis arrived. He'd been trying to find Michael all night. He ran into the house, saw Michael, and shot him. He shot him once, twice, three times. Michael had finally let go of Lori, and he was starting to walk backwards into the bedroom. Dr. Loomis shot him for a fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. Michael fell out of the balcony and landed on the front yard. Now he was dead, right? Dr. Loomis went over to look to see the fallen Michael, but he was gone. Lori asked the doctor, was that the boogeyman? And he replied, as a matter of fact, it was. Doesn't stop there though, friends. What? The police are called. Lori is taken to the hospital. Dr. Loomis runs out of the house to see where Michael landed and the blood from his wounds were now there. The search continues. He is still on the loose, which meant more people would be killed. Mm. He had to act fast, right? I think Michael was just going across the street to see if Annie was okay. Hey, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? It is now coming to light who has been killed. Annie, Linda, and Bob. The police put out a warning to everyone to stay indoors, for businesses to close up and get home safe. People are starting to panic. The sheriff discovers that his daughter is dead and leaves the investigation to tell his wife, because his daughter was Annie. Uh, oh. Lori arrives at Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. She's in shock and does not want to be put to sleep. She isn't making any sense. She's scared, and of course they sedate her so they can get to work on patching her up. One young EMT took a liking to Lori, Jimmy. He promised he wouldn't let anything happen to her. Lori learned the man who was trying to kill her was Michael Myers, the six-year-old who'd murdered his older sister that Halloween night in 1963. Lori didn't understand at the time why Michael would go after her. She didn't know he was her brother. Mm. The head nurse told Lori she was trying to contact her parents but wasn't having any luck. Then the phones went down. The nurse tried to keep Lori from worrying, but with no such luck. For Lori may be 17, but she's not dumb. She had survived a brutal attack, and now the phones were down? Something was going on. While Lori was trying to figure out what was going on, Dr. Loomis was trying to find Michael. He and the officers chased down a man they thought was him. This man ran into the street, and the police car hit him, pinning him between the cop car and a van. And then an explosion happened, setting the man on fire. The police were convinced it had been Michael, and it was over. But Dr. Loomis was not sure. He kept looking for Michael and told them to pull dental records. He had to know for sure. Unfortunately for the police, the man they killed ended up being Ben Trammer, a teenage kid who went to school with Lori. She actually had a crush on him. Sad. Oh, I wow. know. Jeez. Man. How many times does that happen where the cops kill the wrong person? Oopsies. Gee, golly gosh. I know. <laughs> so that news all came back to Lori, and knowing that Michael was still out there somewhere started to freak her out. She was a sitting duck at the hospital, so she tried to escape. The staff had to sedate her yet again, but this time she had the strangest dream visions of her younger brother began to come into her mind. When she woke up, the glass shattered. Michael was her brother. She was really Cynthia Myers. Her sister was murdered by her brother, and now her brother had come to kill her. While she was making this discovery, Michael had tracked her down, a thing he would remain very good at. He arrived at the hospital ready to finish the job. Lori was able to escape through a window in a storeroom. She found an unlocked car, 
the one time it was good that the door was left unlocked. Always, always lock your doors, guys. Yeah. Beans, everybody lock your doors. Yeah. Please lock your doors. That's a constant thing I all know. the time. Yeah, lock the doors. I mean, this was a good chance, but more times than not, it's not. So please lock your doors. So the car actually belonged to the nice EMT, Jimmy. What are the chances? He later found her and joined her in the car. He'd been injured and ended up passing out shortly after finding her. The car wouldn't start, and so Lori was yet again stuck. Dr. Loomis now had tracked Michael to the hospital. Lori saw them and tried to yell for help, but her voice was so hoarse from all the yelling and screaming she'd already done that they didn't hear her. But her brother did, and he was quickly there to strike. Lori was able to get away and went back inside the hospital. Dr. Loomis found her and stood in front while he shot Michael again. Michael did not stay down for long this time, though. He got back up and went after them. They hid in an exam room, and Loomis gave Lori a gun. Michael got in and injured Loomis, and Lori shot him twice in the eyes. Whoa! Shot him in the eyes. He still attacked, though. As he blindly swung, Lori and Loomis began releasing valves in the room, and they were able to get out and ignite the room. It exploded. Michael, on fire, began to walk towards Lori, but then slowly fell to the ground. Lori was put in an ambulance and, in a state of shock, just stared out the window. Then Jimmy sat up next to her. He was okay. She was so relieved and terrified from everything that happened, she just began to cry. They had survived for now. Michael, Michael, Michael. If he didn't die, it'd be like typical teenagers killing the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this doctor having a bunch of guns all around. Oh, yeah. Look at him. Got got them guns. Dr. Guns. Got Dr. Dr. Guns. (laughs) Dr. Guns. So there is some information that Lori had a daughter named Jamie. After the tragic events, Lori later met Jamie's father, and they were married and had Jamie. But there was reports that they both died in a car accident, Lori and this husband whose name I couldn't find. But Lori seems to share that coming back from the dead gene. More on that in a second. It was said that the accident took place on November 30th, 1987, and Jamie was left in a shoebox that was filled with pictures of her parents on the doorsteps of Richard and Darlene. Their daughter, Rachel, used to babysit for Jamie. Michael came back to Haddonfield to kill his sister's daughter this time, and these photos in a box were the link he needed to prove that she was, in fact, his sister's daughter. There is a lot with Jamie that I could go into, but it doesn't end well, and she ends up sort of starting to go down the same path as her uncle, but this is about Lori, not Jamie. And like I said, she shared that whole coming back to life gene. So after everything went down, Lori, in fact, faked her own death. She ran away to California, changed her name to Carrie Tate, and had a child with a man named John. There isn't much on John. He was rather abusive and a chain-smoking methadone addict, and Lori, I mean, Kate, got divorced. She did have a child with him, though, and his name was John as well. So she moved to Summer Glen, California with her son and became the headmistress of some small private prep school. The school was called Hillcrest Academy. She and her son actually lived on campus with the rest of the students. She suffered from what appeared to be PTSD from her experience with her long-lost brother that yeah. fateful Halloween. No shit. No shit. <laughs> no Jesus. Shit. Uh, she tried her best to shake it off and live a normal life under false pretenses. She did turn into a rather functioning alcoholic, though. She was also now on medication to help her with her ever-changing emotional state. But it wasn't all bad for Lori slash Carrie. She did start secretly seeing the guidance counselor named Will. 
Then, 20 years to the day, October 31st, 1998, the hell she lived came back to strike again. It started out like a normal day. She had lunch with her secret boo thing, where she told him a little bit more about her dark past, and she also said that she'd been feeling like she was losing her son, and also how she was trying to find better ways to cope with her mental well-being. Then later, she found her son sneaking around town with a friend, which was totally against school rules. So they get into a fight. Typical, you are too overprotective. I know you have super awful dark past that happened to you, and you were around my age when it happened, but I just don't understand why you have to keep me safe all the time. You know, that kind of fight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's totally standard. Michael was dead, right? Why is she acting so crazy all the time? Just chill, mom, God. But unbeknownst to them, Michael was very much not dead. He was in their town, and he'd already found Lori and followed her to the school. Like I said, he had a gift for doing that. Mm. Maybe he's a Hufflepuff. We're good at finding things. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Anyway, so Lori decides to lighten up, as it were, and she tells John he can go on this school trip to Yosemite. But like any good teen, he had secretly made plans to stay behind with his friends. Those goofballs. Hmm. Lori and Will continue their chat at her house, where she really dives into the dark stuff. And then it hits her. Judith was attacked on Halloween night when she was 17. She was attacked herself on Halloween night when she was 17. Holy crap, it's Halloween night and John is 17. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Oh, wait. Judith was 15. But that's besides the point. Yes. <laughs> Lori had suppressed those memories for so long, of course her logic was a bit off. But it was still correct. Lori rushed to the school and found John and his girlfriend, Molly. They were being attacked by Michael. He had attacked their friends, Charlie and Sarah. Will was there for support and helped Lori save the kids. They told them to hide in the closet while they went after the boogeyman. They ran around the school and saw this figure. Will shot it. But... It was a security guard, Ronnie. <gasps> oh. Will was so upset with what he'd done, he was kneeling over the body in shock when suddenly Michael appeared and killed Will. Mm. Lori manages to get John and Molly out of there and tells them to call the police. She locks herself on the school grounds and is going to deal with Michael. She grabbed a fire axe, because she's a badass, and began to search. She returned to the building, and lo and behold, Michael was there, ready to strike. They attacked each other viciously. I mean, I fought with my little brother a lot when we were kids. I I even threw a butter knife at him once, but I knew it wouldn't hit him. It was more for, you know, dramatic effect. Jesus Christ, Nicole. <laughs> Jesus. Everything's I fine. threw a wooden clog at my middle sister's head. Jesus Please. Christ. She deserved it. I don't I, know what for, but I'm sure at the time. Right, I get it. it. I dislocated my brother's shoulder. See, we all have things. My sister dislocated my shoulder, but that was an accident. We were playing, and oh. I was a weird, loosely limbed child. <laughs> they are. That's just what they do. My brother and I just like to wrestle. wrestle. Well, he would attack me at random to teach me how to get out of being attacked at random. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. My brother and I would just fight. Mm-hmm. One time, he fell, and he hit the, like, um, vent. In Utah, the vents are on, like, the wall or on the floor. And, it, and he hit it, and he, like, cracked his head, and he was bleeding. I felt horrible. I felt so bad. But this fight was nothing like that. This mm. was very intense. They both got each other pretty good, like, major wounds on each other. Lori stabbed him several times in the chest and even forced him off this balcony in the cafeteria. He hit the floor, and she walked up to him, ready to seal the last blow. But as she was about to do it, 
Ronnie pulled her away. He was alive. Oh. Will grieved and got killed for nothing. <laughs> Shouldn't have shot a guy on accident. Like, <laughs> the police arrived soon after and they took Michael away in a body bag. Lori was no fool, though. She knew how this dance went, so she went up to the medical truck that had his body in it, well, in the body bag. She took the fire axe and totally hijacked the van. She drove quickly and kept checking in on the body bag behind her, waiting for him to rise. He did wake up, and as he did, she slammed on the brakes, which threw him through the windshield. (laughs) Uh, She waited for him to stand up and then hightailed the van right into him. She jumped out of the van at the last minute, and then the van hit Michael and naturally started to fall off a cliff. But Michael was pinned between the van and a tree. So she took her new friend, the fire axe, and she walked up to her brother. As she did, he reached his arm out to her, and she started to reach back. There was this brief moment of realization that they're siblings, blood, and there was a moment of mercy. Then she fucking snapped back to reality and totally cut his head off. Good. It was one swing, too, because she's a major badass. Wow. Or so she thought. Turns out that reaching out moment was because this man that looked like Michael was, in fact, the paramedic. (gasps) This is the Roy Burns moment. Yeah, everyone everyone keeps killing the wrong people. Okay, okay, okay. So Michael had crushed his larynx and switched clothes with him back at the school. So his reaching out was him asking for help. He couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. That is messed up. (laughs) I know. Oh, man. Michael. Michael. Why why didn't you pick up any other hobbies at the mental institution? He did. He did driving. Yeah. And he learned to find people and stalk them. Some maps. He got real into maps. Got real into maps. I like, I guess I just forget stuff at a certain point. So I guess I would just at some point forget why I'm so mad at my own family who did nothing to me at some point. Me personally. But that's, I'm not um, killing people at six. That's good. Zodiac killer. It was nine. You were nine. (laughs) Zodiac killer was nine. So, Lori thought it was totally some brother-sister moment. Whoops. And now the tables have turned. So, Lori gets sent to Grace Anderson's sanitarium for brutally murdering an innocent man. (gasps) Granted, she didn't know he was an innocent man. She was tricked. But she kind of went into this sort of shock state. Everyone at the sanitarium thought she was in a canatonic state. But Lori was, in fact, playing possum, as my grandmother would say. Mm. She was stuffing the pills the nurse was giving her, and she was acting. And she did this for three years. She would just put these pills in a little rag doll. I mean, that's a lot of pills. Three years. She was waiting for Michael to come back. She became even more paranoid. She would set up traps for him on the roof. Doctors thought she was contemplating suicide, but she was consistently trying to set this trap up. She was watching windows, trying to see if he'd pop out at her again. Finally, on Halloween 2001, he came back. She knew he would. Eventually, he'd show up again and she'd be ready. Now it was time for her plan to be set into motion. He appeared in her window, like she thought he would. He came into her room and she whacked him with a lamp. Then she led him up onto the rooftop where she left her coat. He crept closer to the edge looking for his sister. And when he was just close enough, she leapt out and sprung her trap. Michael was now hanging from the building by his ankles. Lori was no longer afraid of Michael, but as he hung there, 
He grabbed at his mask, starting to play innocent, making Lori think for a moment that maybe, maybe she had the wrong person again. And in her moment of hesitation, Michael grabbed her. The rope snapped and they both fell off the roof together. <gasps> Michael stabbed Lori in the back as they were hanging now off the edge of the building. Lori kissed Michael and promised to see him in hell. And then she fell to her death, finally being free from the nightmare that was her brother. Okay, okay, I know. I told you it was a survivor story. So now the survivor's dead. Mm. Or is she? I know, I was like, is she? <laughs> she's gotta be. She's gotta be just as good. It's gotta be in the blood. It's, it's gotta in be blood. in the blood. Oh, you're right. It's the, it's the coming back to life coming gene. Coming back to life gene. So 40 years later, was it all just a mere dream? <gasps> now, it is said that Lori, in fact, truly never left Haddonfield. That she was mm. living in a small house on the outskirts of town. Her daughter Karen doesn't really speak to her, and she's been through two failed marriages and greatly suffers from PTSD from the events that took place when she was only 17 years old. Michael left a scar on Lori, and it affected her entire life. So, there were these two podcasters, hey, podcasters, mm. that were really curious about the true story. So, Aaron and Dana, they went to Smith's Grove to see Michael. Uh, they even met with his new psychiatrist, Dr. Sartain. He was a follower of Dr. Loomis and took over Michael's case. Aaron gets this great idea to show Michael his old mask in hopes of getting some kind of reaction from Michael, but nothing happens. The facility is getting ready to move Michael and a few other patients, so Aaron and Dana don't get to stay very long. Their next stop is Lori's heavily guarded small house in the woods. They offer her a whopping $3,000 for an interview, so she agrees. She lets them onto her property. The interview, however, doesn't go very well. They bring up the PTSD, how Child Protective Services took Karen away from her when she was 12 years old, her failed marriages, and she answers all those fine, but then Aaron starts to bring up meeting Michael in person and how it would help her if she would just go out and reach, reach out to him, you know, talk to him. So she cuts the interview. She yells at them to leave and to give her her money. They leave with their heads low and disappointed. How are they going to get the information they needed to tell Michael's story? That night, Michael and the others were being transported. Oh, and it's October 30th, just so we all know. <laughs> the bus is later found tipped over, and the inmates are wandering around. A father and son stop to help. They never make it home. Mm -mm. Michael attacks them and takes their car. Michael! I know. See, he can still drive. He can still drive. Thank Michael. God. He got it. <laughs> October 31st, Michael is a creature of habit. He likes his look, so naturally he kills a clerk because no witnesses, and a mechanic taking his jumpsuit. He's got a style, you know, he's got to stick to it. Mm. As this is happening, the saddened podcasters stop at the same place. And they get the answers they wanted, but they will not live to share the horrid details. Before Michael leaves, he discovers his mask that Aaron had showed him earlier. And thus, the outfit was complete. And he was ready to find his baby sister. At last, my, my arm, arm is, is complete. complete again. At last, yeah. my face is my complete again. My outfit is complete yeah. again. <laughs> oh. Lori always has one ear to the ground, though, and she learns about the bus accident. She had known in her bones that something was happening. She could sense Michael. Karen thought she was just acting crazy. Lori even broke into Karen's house to prove to her daughter how unsafe her house was. Oh she needed to prepare. Michael was coming. 
Lori started to warn everyone, but no one listened to her until the bodies started showing up. Mm. Allison, Lori's granddaughter, had a soft spot for her grandma. She listened even though her mother didn't. That night, though, there was a Halloween dance at the school, and Allison went. She stepped away to take a call from her friend, Vicky, who invited her to hang out while she was babysitting. After the call, she caught her boyfriend with another girl and really had a pretty typical school dance experience. I mean, those things are awful. Mm -hmm. School dances are just Mm -hmm. terrible. Mm -hmm. She throws the phone in a teenage rage right as Lori is calling her to warn her about Michael's escape. At the house, Vicky is babysitting. Things are starting to get interesting. The little boy she is watching, Julian, may get along well, but she sends him to bed kind of early because her boyfriend's coming over. Her boyfriend arrives, and they start making out. Then Julian screams. They run up to see what's wrong, and he says he saw someone. The boogeyman? Vicky starts to look around the room, reassuring him that nothing is there, checking for monsters in the corner, under the bed, and then the closet... The closet... She can't get the door open. Suddenly... It shifts. It opens, and Michael is there and stabs her. Thank you. No. Julian runs to go get her boyfriend, Dave, and tell him what happened. Dave ignores Julian and runs up and tries to save Vicky, only to get stabbed through the throat and pinned to the wall with the knife by Michael. Whoa. I know. Like, Classic Like Michael. a note. Like <laughs> a note. Yeah. Ha, this is my note for you. I'm back, bitches. Oh, yeah. That's what the bitches. note says. I'm yes. back, and I'm Stuck on my old shit. <laughs> Stuck on my thought shit. Back, yes. on, back at it again. Back at it. Lori, of course, has a police radio and hears about what's happening. She meets up with the sheriff and they look for Michael together. Allison has now left the dance and is walking home with another friend, Oscar, who tries to kiss her. Ugh. She freaks out and tells him that is not how she feels and she leaves him. He tries to say, oh, it was just a joke, it was just a joke. But he's left alone. And then Michael strikes, killing Oscar. Allison rushes back after she hears him screaming, and now she's face to face with Michael. He chases her. She runs and knocks on doors until someone lets her in. Now Lori is telling her daughter how serious things are getting, and they need to find Allison. She ends up getting picked up by the sheriff and the psychiatrist. Then they find Michael. The sheriff runs him over and then gets out of the car to go and stab Michael. But the doctor stabs the sheriff. The doctor tries to help Michael. He even takes Michael's mask off and puts it on himself. What the heck? The doctor then puts Michael in the backseat of the police car with the now terrified Allison. They go to Lori's house, and then Michael wakes up, takes his mask back, and Allison starts saying, oh, uh, Michael is talking to me. He spoke to me, which is huge because uh, Michael never speaks. Yeah. So the doctor was like, what? And he needed to know what was happening right this second. As he yells at her to tell him what Michael said, Michael attacks him. The doctor's like, he's my best friend. He's my best friend. He's supposed to talk to, to me. me. He's supposed to talk to me first. What? Who are my you? Best friend. He's my best friend. <laughs> So Michael pulls him out of the car and stomps on his head. And as he's stomping on his head, Allison takes off. Mm -hmm. At Lori's house, the police that were outside are found dead by Ray, Allison's dad. And then he is strangled to death by Michael. Michael has arrived. He is at Lori's house. Lori tells Karen to hide in the security basement room. Like a, uh, what is that? Like a safe room. Panic room? A panic room, yeah, like a panic a room. bomb shelter? A bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. All, all of the above. Okay. All of the above. As this is happening, Michael breaks into the house. He and Lori start to fight. Lori falls out of the window as Allison arrives to the house. She runs up to Lori to make sure she's okay, but when she gets there, Lori's already gone. 
Karen gets Allison and they both go back into that security basement, bomb shelter, safe room, whatever room. Michael discovers the room and as he opens it, Karen is there ready and she shoots him. Then Lori appears and pushes him down the stairs. Allison runs up out of the room. Michael wakes up and grabs Karen by the ankles as she's trying to run up the stairs. Allison stabs him with his own knife that he dropped as he fell and they escape. Lori flips the switch and it fucking makes spikes appear on the roof of this basement safe room. Total Indiana Jones move. Michael was trapped. The room is also filled with gas and Lori flips a flare into the room and it ignites a fire. Her and her family make it out of the house and a stranger in a truck picks them up and they all watch the house as it burns as they drive away. Allison still had Michael's knife in her hand. Now... A body was never found, and I hear that there's more of the continuing story and investigation being released. I actually think it might have been released on the 15th. I haven't looked into the new information yet, but I hear it's still not over. Lori has been through a lot and maybe even came back from the dead herself a few times. But what I know is this. She is a badass survivor. And that, my ladies and beans, is the story of Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, Lori Strode. (laughs) (laughs) Any final sips? Okay, wait. I I have a question. Okay. You said, did you, did I hear you correctly when you said that he went into a hardware store and got the knife and the mask? Yes. Okay. Here's my final sentence. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if the hardware store doesn't have, <laughs> doesn't have tools, it just has kitchen knives and Halloween masks. Something's up. <laughs> if the guy can drive and knows how to get places, but he's been locked in a sanitarium for the past however many decades, something's up. And <laughs> <laughs> that. Yes. Uh, also, if you don't get consent, Michael Myers will murder you. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, Michael. Uh, that's really great. That's my final sip. Those are great. great. (laughs) My final sip, two things. One, believe your friends. Mm, mm -hmm. How about you believe your friends? Right? How about your friends are like, there's some dude that's like hanging out outside. Like, just believe your friends. Yeah. Uh, and two, um, it is really important. Like some of the, one of the more powerful things that you can do to somebody, uh, is to move on. (laughs) Sometimes... You just gotta move on. Mm-hmm. You gotta move on from stuff, and it's kind of fun to move on and leave your past behind. Uh, if Michael was able to just move on to, I don't know, killing other people, then like a baby that he never knew, like you know, <laughs> just because she was like the yeah. originally she was just a baby. She's like two, no, I think. You know? Yeah, two, like two or three. Yeah. I don't know anything about this babies? Do babies don't have opinions about stuff? There's babies, you know. Like, why would you be mad at a baby for just being a baby? Ooh, like potatoes. Oh, yeah, do nothing. Move on. Move, move on. on. It's really nice and powerful to just go like, ah, I'm good. So I just wish he would have picked up other. Like he he knew how to drive and track yeah. people and things. Yeah. He probably could have tracked down a bunch of other people to kill, but instead he just was could really have been a badass truck driver. Oh my god. Oh my god. But he no. Could've. He went the other way. Yeah. Oh, but he stole ball. some trucks. Mm. He did. <laughs> my final sip is this. Mental illness is a very real thing. And if someone is extremely dangerous and the doctor tells you, hey, they're extremely dangerous, maybe listen 
listen to them. Believe the and doctor. Believe the doctor. Yeah. Uh, because Dr. Loomis knew. Dr. Nuh-uh, Loomis. I did my own research. <laughs> I didn't I'm a podcaster. I did my own research. But Dr. Loomis knew, and he warned them, and he didn't want, you know, him to get out, and that... You know, the sanitarium didn't listen, and they didn't take the proper mm-hmm. protocols. Well, also, this sanit wouldn't somebody want to know how, like, okay, I get it that he killed a bunch of people, but he also survived a lot. Yeah. I'm surprised he wasn't, like, taken for testing to figure out how the hell this dude gets shot so many times and lives. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, like, superhuman. Mm. Mm. That's what it's we like, should be worried about. Yeah, you're like an yeah, X-Man. So. Like, I would be like, who's this guy? How do we brainwash him into killing for us because yeah. he just comes back to mm. life all the time. Okay, you know, okay, okay, he okay. just keeps um, staying... No, wait. How do I phrase the sentence to make it work? Um, he's always found a way to live because he's evil. Mm. <laughs> because live backwards is evil. And oh. Loom- and L- Loomis <laughs> it re- rearranges Sloomy. Sloomy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. This has been so much fun doing these espresso shots, these little extra episodes. Yes. I hope you beans have enjoyed it as well. Yeah. It's fun to, to take a, a shift and do some fun fiction crime, which has been fun. Yes. Yes. Uh, fun fact for me, that's true, Michael Myers is also the name of my uncle, so I got a lot of those jokes growing up. There you go. <laughs> Michael Myers Michael also Myers. makes me randy, baby. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, in Halloween 2, my dad's friend is in it. He plays, like, a parent. And my dad's very excited about that. So I wanted to put that in here. Dad, that's for you. That's for you, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Give it up for your dads. dads. Because we're brothers. Because we're brothers. we're brothers. And also, we're brothers. Thank you so much for joining us on our espresso shot journey of October for spooky season on Morning Murders. Morning Murders. What kind of murders? Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. Sit up a little more. Do you want the poofier pillow? Oh, no, no. That's all right, babe. I'll just sit up on my... On my feetsies. On my, my hindquarters. On my hindquarters. <coughs> Quarter mass. What? What? Is this coffee okay? It's so good. Oh my god. Oh really? It's like gone. I've just oh, been shit. drinking it this whole yeah, time. Yeah, it's been really, it's really, good. really good. Okay, good. Thank you, Amanda. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how they're just like black coffee is because I always oh. get stuff that has stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. No, it's good. Thank you, Coffee Witch. This coffee is coffee. 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 This is Halloween episode, episode. <laughs> this is Halloween episode, episode. <laughs> Yes, that's brilliant. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. You guys ready? All right. Especially because you have like the up lighting and you look like. You guys ever notice that the Blue Ranger, Billy from Power Rangers, always had that like V because he always was downlit or it was uplit rather. And he had the glasses. For some reason, that's one of the weird things in my childhood that I very specifically remember, Mm because I was like, I don't know if I like the Blue Ranger. I think he might be, like, a mole. Like, he might be evil. evil. He's got them angry brows. He's a mole. (laughs) (laughs) The Power Ranger's on my final sip. Don't don't trust the Blue Ranger. Don't trust the Blue Ranger. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Call back. Okay. Okay. But for real. For real, for real. (laughs) 
Ah. Uh, the wedding photographer had the word morning on her hand. And I was like, she goes, what's your podcast called? And she was like fixing her sunglasses. Stop. And I was, and I didn't notice at first. I was like, morning murders. But it's spelled like, and then I like paused. And she was like, oh, like this? And she pointed at her hand. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. So... To that photographer. Shit, Get it, cool. Brandy. Well, ladies and beans, today I bring the hot mm -mm, Vander kick. Linda Chevastroke. <laughs> okay? <laughs> is Michael Myers oh, here God. right now? She just buffered you guys. <laughs> just, hold on a second. I have to buffer. You my words. That's how I wrote it. I love it. Oh, no. Linda Vanderkick. Oh, man. And a boy did... He makes it to town. Oh. How did Smith's... Blah, blah, blah. She began to stab him. No. Lori was able to escape through a window in a storm... Storm room. The one time it was good that the door... Morris, no trying... And like I said, she shared the whole... And like I said, she shared that whole coming back from the life... Nope. And she, like I said... Damn it. Coming back from the life. <laughs> from the Coming life. back from the life. Ah, oh, dude, the album. That's yeah. Keep Coming that. back, back from, from the life. Ah. <laughs> oh. She did turn to, she did turn to a rather, mm-mm. <laughs> a weird sentence that I wrote. Through, through, the through, the through. Lori always has one ear to the ground and she learns about the bus crash. Bus crash. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Lori always has one ear to the ground and learns about the bus... <laughs> can't even say it. The butt crack. Lori always has one ear to the ground and she learns about the bus accident. She knows... <laughs> she can't even do it seriously. Ah. Beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, beep it out. When in doubt, beep, beep it out. out.